welcome everyone to another episode of Black Seinfeld Backstage. I told you we weren't fucking around in 2021. We're going to be doing some big things. The first backstage episode, if you have listened to it, was Bastion and Shadman talking about Wonder Woman 84. Bastion and I, we have, we have a lot of similarities, you know, but we have different things that we want to talk about. And for one, ladies and gentlemen, I have morals. I don't want to watch any more DCEU movies, so I let Bastion go on ahead and talk about the movie. And guess what? Since I listened to it, to my dismay, guess what? He hated it. And the lesson just goes to show that, hey, DC movies are trash. You should just stick with Marvel. Just saying. But uh, anyways, my name is Giovanni Anglin. I go by the Trinidadi, Panamanian, Poppy, Rude Boy, Top Gunner, a.k.a. Sak Panyamada, one time. And today is a special. Uh, <laughs> you do that every show. I do that every show. Every is it the same show. every time, or does it change? Uh, sometimes it may change because, like, now I'm West Indian Jesus on the Instagrams because I've yeah. been doing this thing since quarantine. Like, I finally grew out a full beard, and so since gotcha. I have this long hair thing, like, once it drops, everyone keeps saying I'm Jesus. So. Gotcha. Trini Jesus, that was out because when you're Trini and you're on Instagram, like someone's either Trini, Trini Jesus, Trinidaddy. I've tried that. Uh, gotcha. Trini Boy 97, like all, all yeah. the Trini stuff is gone. So I was just like, you know what? West Indian Jesus works. And hey, it's been it's been going well so far. I like it, man. Thank I like you. it. I like it. When I saw saw the handle, I was like, who is that? I was like, oh, I like that, man. I like that. I like that. <laughs> And this man right here, ladies and gentlemen, who you are hearing, this is Jonah Batamzi. This man right here, he is a mastermind. He is Dr. Frankenstein in the work. And this man right here has been doing big things in 2020. I think you really got your start with with the uh, rise of Kamala Harris, if I'm not mistaken, right? In her, it was actually uh, lockdown. Lock, lockdown. Lockdown kind of started it. So, uh, like I was saying to you before when we spoke earlier, 2020. I was working on too many different things, creative. I was trying to write a children's book, trying to do this, trying to do that. I was like, look, for once, I just need to focus on one thing, lock in, and and let's go ahead and try to put all of our focus and energy behind that. So right. I looked at everything I was working on, and it was the the Blending Project. And um, then shortly thereafter, lockdown happened, which forced everyone inside. Everyone's, everyone's screen time went through the roof. Mm-hmm. jumped up like 50 60 percent shoot um, I, I do feel yeah. a bit awful about how much time i spend on the screen now to be honest man i'm not even looking man when it makes that funny little beep noise like oh we have your report yeah. I'm like, i don't want to see the report every sunday it's like all right we got your report i'm like all right please tell me how much of a, a shit i am for looking at this yeah. phone but it's different though because we do media like we do we we do this for a living so you have to look at the screen I know, I know, I know. I, I don't think my wife and kids quite um, look at it that way. But um, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's where the work's at. It's where you're communicating at. Right. It's where you're, you know, researching stories at and all this stuff. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, man. Yeah. So yeah, the Blending Project, which now, bro, it's like what, 20,000 followers, bro? Yeah, about 20, about 21 and growing. Um Humble, nice little, uh, nice little brag. community, man. It's humming. It's humming. It's going well. And and you're working on a book right now too. You're and you made the announcement of of a Blendian sort of matchmaking thing. I'm liking the vision here. I like to see one of my people win. Man, we're trying to. We're trying to. We're just trying to 
allow everybody to live their best life, um, liberate people, get people free, just allow people to be their authentic self. So this is how we're, we're, we're trying to do it. Well, let me tell you how I, uh, I came past like your page one sure. day. Sure. I remember I was just scrolling on the Instagrams and I remember seeing one post in particular. And I think the question was raised was, does Kamala Harris acknowledge her Indian heritage? Something like that. I may be paraphrasing. Mm. And I was seeing what people were, have been writing and stuff. And that question, like, it just possessed me to write something because, like, I knew where this is going because I don't know what it's it you. is. Yeah, it, it's, it's me. Because it's your life, yeah? It's me. It's your life. It's literally my life. But also, like, whenever, like, a person of color is is in politics like their ethnicity always has to be a part of it for some reason always have to be brought up like when obama was running back in 07 08 everyone was was asking like okay well what is obama but like yeah it was me right so i talked about it briefly on on the show and i was saying that kamala harris 100 percent identifies with her indian heritage it's just the fact that one we live in america and unfortunately the dominant society doesn't see us as shades of gray. It's either white or black. You feel me? And, Agreed. And with that, I just felt like I wanted to talk more about that, where over here it's like you can't be mixed. It's either you're one or the other. And the dominant society doesn't really see that or want to even acknowledge that. And also, if you are looked at as black, then you just have that black experience. Right. And so that, as you said, it felt like me. So I talked about it on the show. And then ever since then, my co-host Bastion's been asking me like Indian questions. And then mm. I remember I wasn't even doing the show like I was just engineering because I audio engineer and I guess listeners recognize my voice. So I remember we were taking like a musical break. And this person calls. I was like, all right, hold on. Um, I'll have you on in a second. He was like, no, Gio, hold on. I want to ask you something. I was like, what do you mm. want to ask me? He was like, well, I listened to your show. And like one day you were talking about like black and Indian relations and how there's a rift between the two communities and stuff. And I want to like know, learn more about it. And I was just like, damn. All right. So I figured in 2021, I was going to adhere to the listeners. I was going to give them what they want. I was going to give Bastion what he wants. And I'm going to break out of my shell in this podcast audio game and, you know, put all my cards on the table because there is a difference to my type of, of Indian. I'm West Indian, right? I'm Indo-Caribbean. There is a big difference. Shout out to the Desis, you know, and then we got the Indo-Caribbeans. The reason why we have Indo-Caribbeans is due to the indentured servitude that happened in, I believe, eight, in the 1830s. Hmm. Right. So to be very clear, I'm from Trinidad and my my mom's side is Indian. They're from Trinidad. And my dad, he's Afro-Latino. He's from Panama. And so they How did met. they meet? All right. So funny story. Um, my dad at the time was 19. And yeah. my mom's was 29. And my mom was working in accounting. And my dad was like the security guard over there. So like okay. he lied and, and said that he was 29. And he wasn't. And then, you know, <laughs> more of the story she's like, is... How old? She's like, how old are you? He's like... How old are you? He's like 29. He's like, so am I. <laughs> right, exactly. But it worked because my dad is tall too. He's like 6'2", okay. and he and he had like yeah. a full mustache and beard before I did. Yeah. So like it worked for him. He could get away with that. I'm I'm 5'9", 5'10", on a good day. I don't think I can 
I can get away with that. I still get carded in movie theaters, people. Like, it's serious. Yeah. But that's why I have the beard now. So hopefully, like, you, I, I figured, like, it would work, but it still doesn't work. I still get carded. Gotcha. I, I still do sometimes. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, man. <laughs> it actually does, because it means, you know, black don't crack, man. Like, I'm, exactly. we're aging like wine, Jonah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so the moral to that story is, you know, if it wasn't for lying, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> Basically, yeah. shouts out to lying <laughs> and my dad. Yeah. So, yeah, they met in New York. I'm a first generation uh, American because my dad, he, he was born in Panama. My mom, she was um, in Trinidad and she also had my brother up here to my older brother, half brother. So, you know, they met or whatever. And growing up, honestly, like I never felt Indian enough, I would say. I felt like I just lived the black experience. So I always just identified as black. I grew up in Brooklyn, you know, just predominantly black neighborhood, predominantly Caribbean area too. Um, mm. For some reasons, all the Caribbeans decided to go to like Florida, New York, or Canada, Toronto to be exact. So yeah, I always identified as, as black because I lived the black experience. I feel like whenever you're black, you share similar conversations and discussions with your family. I remember my dad sitting me down telling me, listen, Giovanni, you're a man in America. You got to work hard, but you're a black man in America. So you got to work twice as hard. Yeah. Everyone has that discussion with your family or, or, or your parents. And I remember when uh, Michael Bloomberg was the mayor and stop and frisk was heavy. I remember being like 13 years old, getting stopped and frisked mm. by police officers because they thought I had a knife on me. And it turned out it was just goddamn hand sanitizer, bro. Yeah. hand sanitizer so you grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood yeah. with, around black people but um what was your interaction like with uh with the indian community whether they were indo-caribbean or desi so here's the thing i felt if you are indo-caribbean or or desi when people looked at me they knew like okay this kid is not fully black he, had, hmm. he he's mixed with something so they would ask me all the time like yo or like hey are you are you indian or and or, or are you brown and i was just like oh yeah from from my mom's side i am but you know i always just vehemently say i'm black always i'm black right and oh, then, that, would come out, that would come out at the end of your little spiel yeah yeah, yeah i would have to okay. explain it i have to break it down yeah. and then i'll be like no i'm black i'm 100 i'm black they would say no but you're also indian or they would look at me in like shame or disgust i would just choose one over the other Oh yeah, yeah, like you're like you're denying your 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 Indian uh, right, roots and stuff. Right, and and the thing is, I'm not. But I feel like since I'm here in America, I'm living the black experience. And you know, all my friends are all my friends are black. I grew up black. Sure, like I do have Indian roots, and I have family that's Hindu. For the most part, I just identified as black. One of the reasons also is because. I was perceived not to be as Indian enough. Oh, yeah, because you were yeah. mixed with black. Right, exactly. And I think that's that's one thing that I wanted to like get across when people always want to talk about like having a mixed child and stuff. Mixed children, sometimes they go through an identity crisis because they don't feel 100% of, of one thing because they're mixed with both things. And so when you try and interact with those kinds of people, whether it be black or Indian, you don't feel 100% that. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, all you have to do is um, look to Kamala Harris's experience. So, and I think that um, exactly. it's amazing because it's relevant, it's current, it's topical, and 
she has so many different things, whether it's um, talking about gender, whether it's talking about race, whether it's talking about identity, whether it's talking about blackness, but like her thing, and I, and I saw this, which, which I found it weird, was like, I grew up in and around Chicago. So I think it was when she got the, the VP nomination and mm. it was like so, some black women from Chicago. And I think some of them are even from the same sorority that she's from. Yeah. And it was like somewhat kind of rejecting her because she was part Indian. Yeah, because she's mm-hmm. not black enough too. I've, I've experienced that. Exactly. I've experienced that She's not that black too. enough. She's not black enough, but she's not she's not she's not black enough, but she's too black at the same time. Exactly. It's like you're not black enough for the black people. You're not Indian enough for your Indians. It's like, where do you where do you fit in in this? Right. And, you know, I had to grow up and, and really understand, like, bro, you got the best of both worlds. Like, yeah, for Latino, you're Panamanian. Mm. Uh, you can speak some Spanish. You, you, you can fucking throw down. You can make some great platano. And then also, you know, you're Indo-Caribbean, bro, like. You know how to wine, you know, you can bustle nice wine, um, Lit, but, man. but also, but also, you know, you can, you, you, you know how to roll some fucking roti if you have to. <laughs> yeah. Which uh, is lit, man. I mean, that's the, that's the, like, um, I, I think about it and I think about my kids and like, um, being able to like seamlessly transition through these different, um, mm-hmm. different experiences, different communities. I mean, imagine that, you know, one day you could just be at home doing something, cooking something like this. The next, the next minute you could be at the club, you know, dancing bachata or something like that or doing right. merengue or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the next time you're at like a Garba um, party or something like that or, mm-hmm. or Diwali and yeah. then it's Christmas time, you know what I mean? Facts. It's yeah. just the best of culture, it including you know, music, food, movies, everything like that. That's the way of the world, really, I think, with, yeah. with the, the technology has changed thing and just taking down barriers. We're just citizens of the world, really. Exactly. But see, the the issue is, and, you know, I definitely 100% subscribe to that. The issue is, you know, the people at the top, the dominant society, as I like to say, you know, they designed it in a way where this is why colonialists are, are such fucking gangsters, right? Because they know how to play, put one group of people against the other group of people, especially in, in the Caribbean, you know. There is like a bit of a rift between, you know, the, the Indo-Caribbeans and the Afro-Caribbeans, right? And that has to go back to the indentured servitude, right? So once slavery ended in the Caribbean, right, which was a lot earlier than in America, right, you still had people that, that needed to attend to the uh, plantations, right, the sugar plantations. The biggest export from the Caribbean during those times, 100% sugar, in the americas it was probably like cotton caribbean 100 percent sugar right so hence indentured servitude which is basically like refined slavery i would like to call it and mm-hmm, and the uh crime was committed by three of the colonists it was great britain french and i believe the dutch and most of those indians were from i believe the northern eastern part of india and i'll say this here's the difference between servitude and and slavery the pitch to um go to the new world and and work at these plantations it wasn't forced upon them you understand like they had the option of going while there was underhanded tactics that was played to actually get some of them there there was actually like they laid out the um the the fucking bargain basically is what i'm saying so 
They took the Indians, and I believe 200,000 was in Guyana, uh, about 100,000 in Trinidad, and about 30,000 in Jamaica. And then some more just spread out in some of the smaller islands like St. Martinique, St. Kitts, St. Vincent. And some of the um, differences between slavery and and indentured servitude, I feel like the biggest one is the fact that the Indians there were allowed to have an identity of themselves. They were able to keep that identity of being Indian. Slaves, they did not have an option. There was no choice. Where the African slaves in the Caribbean, they had their families broken up and split up, and they had to strip everything of their identity, their name, their religion indians they didn't have that some similarities is they were worked to fucking death but a difference is the indentured servants they actually got paid it wasn't paid a, yeah, yeah it wasn't paid a lot it was like what 25 cents a day six days out of the week nine hour days and it's in the caribbean it's fucking hot people like it's not easy work by any stretch so those are some of the the differences and similarities between servitude and slavery. So my family's from Uganda, okay. um, which is East Central Africa, um, by Kenya, Rwanda, Tanzania. Mm-hmm. Um, if people haven't haven't heard of it, but um, similar situation there as well too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, colonization: the British were British were in Africa, um, Dutch were in Africa, Germans were in Africa. Um, they split it up. Um, now they wanted to to commercialize things at a certain point in time. They wanted to to build a railroad um, in in East Africa. Mm-hmm. So how were they going to build that, right? So um, they had some people over in um, India who served as, I guess you'd have like a head, right? You'd have a figure who's basically doing the recruitment there, right? Of course. Um, the pitch to them was, do you would you like to work in um, East Africa for three years on a three year contract and get X amount of money? Now, from what I've read thus far people worked that period of time and some of them were able to go back home. A lot yep. of them actually went back home. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were able to kind of get that split and that, and that cut from what you were doing with perhaps a little bit of money to go about your way. Whereas obviously, as we know with slavery, you weren't really getting away unless you, you ran away or were killed or something like that. Right. right? You had, yeah, you had no options. It was work or die basically. And yep. And, you know, the, the Indians, they were given a choice. They were given a bit more of a choice. But, you know, similar to what was happening in Uganda, they were they were being sold a dream a little bit. They were being sold and pitched a dream because some people were actually, it was documented that some were actually kidnapped. Some were, you know, just sold, sold this lie that, you know, it's going to be a better life. And after the five years, you can either, like, stay and, and renew your contract or you can go back or, or do whatever. But, yes. Yeah, one last point, though, to that as well, too. The, the colonizers knew, they knew bringing in this other race or group of people effectively put a layer in between them and the indigenous people. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's where I think some of the tension then came from, because as they came out of those contracts and stuff, they were perhaps the people who started owning some businesses and things like that. And, you know, you start looking at the man with like, you know, out of the corner of your eye, he's got a shop and stuff like that. And. You know, I think that kind of led to some of these um, these exactly. ill feelings um, between the communities. Exactly. And that's why white people are gangsters. Like, they know how to keep the disenfranchised separate. 
You know what I mean? Bro, because they understood for years. They understand the the strength in numbers, and if they were to to get together, like they could have caused some damage. So fuck you to the colonizers, but that's a brilliant fucking chess move, just yeah. for 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 history's sake. And so that's where really a lot of the the tension reside from. You know, being able to a keep your culture, keep your identity, minus you know still being disenfranchised even after slavery was over. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why in Caribbean culture, we, we see curry. If you go to a Jamaican spot, you can get you some curry goats, you know, curry chicken. That's the reason why we have these things. It's because of, you know, Indian influence. They were able to bring their culture over. The Afro-Caribbeans weren't. You know, they had to make their cultures from scratch, basically. So that's where the, the, the tension lies. And we still see that tension still to this day. Now, don't get it fucked up. It's actually pretty common for... For, you know, someone like me who who's black and Indian to, to be prevalent out there in the Caribbean. It, in Trinidad, we call them Douglas because that means you're, you have black and you have Indian. One of the most famous ones is Nicki Minaj because her mom is black and her dad is Indian. So people have been mixing in the Caribbean. It's just I still see that tension to this day. And that's what I wanted mm. to bring light to. That's why I wanted to talk to you, really, because I don't think I've seen, you know, that discussion about Indo-Caribbeans that much yet on on the blending project shout out to everyone Nothing, uh, you're 100 right man it's not there yet we are obviously i'm from east africa so historical lens it's it's kind of there first um, yeah. but there's such a, a rich story and in, in, in history um and a lot to learn i think from the the caribbean as well too so that's that's one of the next places to go to you, yeah. you see a lot of other sites sorry i don't want to say a lot of other sites i feel like that community is less prevalent than South Asians. Mm. So it's, and I don't want to call them microsites, but let's call them microsites. Like Ooh, okay. it, it's some of the smaller sites that you will see that may be catering towards right. the Indo-Caribbean yeah. um, experience. Shout out to all my coolies out there. That's our N-word basically for, for those of you yeah. Desis who don't, who don't know. It's basically our N-word. So don't say it. I don't know. Can Desi say that? I don't know. I don't know the rule on that. I'm not the fucking spokesperson. And feel free to curse if you want to. Okay, okay. That's why I wanted to to have this conversation with you. I was like, yeah, you know what? I feel like this guy would understand it (laughs) and would want to talk. Thanks for having me, man. Dude, thank you for having me. I'll be so honest. I was nervous when you started following us because it could either go one of two ways, right? Because I know, like, how I can be sometimes on the radio. Like, I could be very abrasive in certain things that I deliver out. So it's either... He's really gonna like this, or he's yeah. really gonna hate this. <laughs> yeah, no, it's cool, man. I appreciated the show. I appreciated what y'all were doing, um, how y'all y'all were talking frank about stuff. So you have to. Um, I thought, you know, let's jump on and let's do this. You you have to, man. So tell me about the the book that you that you're working on right now. Yeah, so the book is called um, "When We See Ourselves." It contains ten stories of different flavors or variations of blending love. So mm-hmm. you may have LGBTQ plus couple in there. You will have a black man with a South Asian woman. Mm-hmm. You'll have that in reverse as well, too. There are stories um, that talk about anti-blackness, that talk about being deaf in the South Asian community, mm. about all of these different things that are I'll use taboo, um, even though it's a bit right. overused, somewhat taboo, but even more taboo, I'll say, because they're through the lens of 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 a blending relationship, right. which already bring already brings a different angle to it altogether. 
And I feel a lot of that really just stems from the family. Family is huge in like Indian culture, right? The perception of how your family is and, and that whole, I guess you can say what the, the notoriety, the honor to your family, right? That's like a huge thing. That's a huge thing that I think, you know, worries a lot of, a lot of Indian people, right? Cause, cause I know like with Desi's, it's like, what cast are they from? Like, what does their family do? What does he do? All that shit. And I feel like one, I want to say I understand it, but also it's like, dude, we got this one life, right? And if your kid is going to be happy, I feel like you should just let the kid be happy. But I understand like it's easier said than done when, you know, you have all this tradition and shit. It's all, you know, right. And people, and people like to feel normal. People like regularity, people like their norm. And so sometimes when you step out of that norm, it's like water and oil. Yeah, 100%. I'd, I'd say um, I, I understand what you're saying. This obligation to the family, right. regardless regardless of what age you are, is foreign for me. Now, I, Ugandan-American, but I grew up in the States. And by the time you're about 18, 19, people are looking at you like... As an adult. You, you ready to get out of the house? Yeah. Time to, get, time to get your ass out of the house. Whereas, you know, I feel like with that community, it's almost even thinking about parents looking at the children like, well, what are you going to do? They're looking at them like, well, what partner are they going to select? Because you know, we're coming to live with you when we get older, right? Yeah. Is your partner going to allow that? So Mm -hmm. it's really different for a lot of people who aren't in the culture or don't know people from the culture. It's a, it's a difficult thing to, to pick up. And yeah, you know, I, mean, I, see I just a lot see of... so many stories with these um, with these women and just being, I don't know, somewhat, I mean, it's somewhat oppressed, right? It's been yeah. somewhat oppressed, held back, um, limited, trying to limit them, what they can do, their ambitions, and just kind of putting a glass ceiling over, over what they can achieve, dream, or, or want to be, really. Mm. Yeah, definitely, 100%. I remember, like, having friends that would try and holla at Indian girls, and I'll be like, hey, that's totally cool. I'm just going to let you know they're probably not going to tell their family at all. You're going to be a secret. Like, I would just Mm. give them, like, a rundown of things that can possibly happen. And she may not be able to see you anymore. Just saying. And they're like, yo, why? I'm like, you're not Indian, dog. I'm sorry. And I would have to, like, give them that sort of, this may happen. Yeah. What, what What age was that at? This happened. I mean, were you high school? Or no, this like... was in college. This had to okay. be in college because my school from like elementary all the way up to high school was predominantly black. So when I went to school over in Jamaica, Queens, it was a bit more ethnically diverse because, you know, okay. there wasn't white people, but it was it was still people of color. But it was it was a lot of Desis. So I was getting heavily in touch with with the brown community over there. Because they always ask, yo, are you? And so I would have to do that whole long ass spiel again. So, you know, I was able to like talk with them and like get to really understand because I would just come on some like Indo-Caribbean shit. And and, like what I've realized is, you know, some of the stuff that we do in Indo-Caribbean, they don't really do um, from the Desi diaspora and and vice versa. So that's what I learned. What about um, those guys who were saying they wanted to holler at the Indian girls? Did they... Did any of the, did the girls give any of the guys time? Oh, of course. Of course. 
Okay. Of course they would give them time all the time. You're around black dudes, like you know, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's definitely it's natural. Gonna, it's natural. It's, it's natural. gonna go yeah. down. But I just yeah. told him, like, look, bro, this may happen, and you know what I said, it happened. Mm. Unfortunately, but it's some real shit. Um, it is. I remember always. Well, now still to this day, I would take Ubers and take Lyfts, and if the cab driver is brown, he would one ask me, and then two after he asked me, and I tell him. Like he he would he would get really comfortable. Yeah, he would get really comfortable. Like he would get really comfortable and just talk about you know all all the girls that he's talking to and all that shit. So you know you get you get your quirks in there. You know you you get invited to like to John D's and stuff. It's fun. It's good. Weddings and shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's basically my experience. And now you know I I still identify as black. I'm not gonna lie. I really do. But now you know I also mentioned the fact that i that i am half indian and it's not that i'm ashamed of it at all i always just want to preface that i'm not ashamed at all it's just living here in america you know i get the nigga experience so you know it just is what it is well if you yeah if you read this when you read the stories as well too of people who are like products of these relationships as well too i think nine out of ten times um the the parents raise the kids as, as black because yeah. Or, or or just to have the appreci- a large appreciation for that culture, knowing that mm-hmm. this is the lens that they're going to be viewed at by everybody else. Mm-hmm. So okay. for us not to prepare our children to be ready for that um, is almost failing them a bit. True. So I think the mind. Uh, fuck, of- I'm sorry. I think the mind fuck of it all too is um, it's not so much immediate family, but like extended family that you like see and stuff, and they'll come over and they'll talk about stuff that's happening like. BLM or just current events that are going on and like to sometimes hear them speak very candidly and be like very open with their racism and I'm just like uh, I have to call them out on their bullshit because I'm like you realize you're legit talking about me is how you see them how you see me and my brother we always have you ever confronted have you ever had to confront the um people like that hell yeah because it's in my family you know It's, it's still in my family when you know, they speak about black people, you know, they go, I don't understand why these people do that. Or I don't understand why they're acting in the way that they are. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And then, Hold on. Right. <laughs> and so, like, my brother and I, we would really have to check them sometimes because I'm like, first off, one, I don't fully blame you. I blame the British. But, like, I still blame you because if you come over to America, like, you you're, you're basically going to be in the same boat as we are. Like, I do not care. I always try and tell people that from Trinidad, like, despite your racist biases and all that shit, you come over here in America, you're going to be, you're one of us, basically. Whether yeah. you want, whether you like it or not, you just, it is just is what it is. But also, like, understand the fact that I'm also black, too. And, like, if you're talking this way about black people, do you see me in that way? You feel me? That was always a big mind fuck for me. And it really questioned do I want to associate myself with, with even being Indian when I was growing up? And and I think that that's what happens to a lot of the people who subsequently are like, again, products of the relationship yeah. who experience that as a kid. Now imagine that you're just sitting around chilling with the family, trying to have a good time and people are, 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 are talking bad about black people, man. Now right. you're not going to want to be like, Hey, I want to hang out with these people more. You know, mm-hmm. I want to keep breaking bread. I want to go seek these people out. You're going to be like, you know what? Like that's 
it's not for me. It doesn't make me feel comfortable. Right. And I want to go for people who embrace me and appreciate me for who I am, regardless of what I'm mixed with. 100%. But I think in, in growing up, being a kid, sometimes you just had to like eat that. You just had to go no matter what, right? Because at the end of the day, that's still your family. But now that I'm 26, I get to make that decisions now. But growing up and just having to like sit there and still eat that, it sucked. It fucking yeah. sucked. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I want to commend you for it because I'm from New York. The Humans of New York is like really popular. And I feel like you're doing the same thing for Blendian, black and uh, brown relations. I, I respect it a lot. Is Thank that, you, man. Is Thank that how? You, man. Is that where you got your inspiration from? Was it from Humans of New York? No, nah, I mean, I probably saw it. I mean, like, if you look back, and I don't even know if I have any of these posts anymore, but if you look earlier at, like, how the stories were told, yeah, they might be, like, two-liners or three-liners. Um, right. And that's because that, that was just what the first iteration of the, of the project was. Later on then, I started... I remember like I started editing the stories like on the fly via Instagram DM, right? Mm -hmm. So I'd be like, all right, did you have any challenges with your um with your families? Okay, they'd yeah. feed me back some information. And then I'd ask them another question. And then I would put that all together in a story. And I was just like, it, it got to a while, it was taking up too much time. I just basically tell people, talk about your relationship or anything that is on your your chest that you'd like to get off. IG has 2,200 characters. Let's go. That's essentially it. You know, right. it's, it's it's a white canvas for you to write down your experience. And through that, a lot of the stories did end up coming out like humans in New York, which I think which I, I mean, obviously, you know, beautiful, such a simple idea, yeah. um, such a simple idea. Um, but I think that that makes it even more more beautiful. So, yeah, I, I do see the similarities between the stories. And um, it's cool. Like you said, it's for the for the black and South Asian community to put their stories in and share out there. One thing I really also love about your platform is you don't Disney the shit, meaning within every story, there isn't a happy ending, right? There's some like- Some of them there are. Some the, of them yeah, there are. There Very are. Few, though. Yeah, you know, there's some real happy endings and shit, but you know, there's also some that you, that you post and you know, like either, you know, they may not be dating anymore or like the family don't talk to, to them at all and i really appreciate that one people um have the courage to even like share their stories but two that you even post it too because it's a good reflection on you know life yeah for, this life is sure, life isn't 100%. a disney isn't a damn disney movie i mean we've seen what happened with kofifi for the past four years <laughs> yeah yeah i think that in terms of the south asian community as well too there's a lot of people who feel like they're carrying shame or, or feeling like they're carrying all of their family's expectations on their back. So it's not the in or the known thing to just go ahead and let me go out and just share what's happened to me. Of course. And Everything I, but, is but I feel like, the family. Yeah. Yeah. Outwardly, I don't think that's that's what people are thinking. But no. uh, I feel like the community has has given people um, a, a space and a platform to do that. Absolutely. And so it was really interesting, like just like two weeks ago, I think a woman was telling a story and she was the first person to talk about a miscarriage, which I thought was so, mm -hmm. so, so powerful because people don't talk about miscarriages a lot. Once you start speaking to people and you're like, oh yeah, we experienced that. All of a sudden you find about eight other people um, who say the same thing. Well, I went through that too. It was like, why do you never tell me? But it's just it's, like one of those so things, hard. you know, it always <laughs> takes one person to, to really like exactly. speak out for everyone else too. And I'd like to, to follow up with that question of, 
when you started this, obviously, like it wasn't easy. Like everyone wasn't flocking to like share their stories. But um, what was that one story that you posted where everyone was like, OK, we're we're in with the Blindian Project 2020? I don't think that there was one. It, it was really, really it was really, really interesting because um, 2020 came we and we were just doing our thing not not even not even caring who was paying attention really or, or who was watching and i think for me like i always wanted to um be able to have a seat with some south asian tables you know mm -hmm. south asian tables or platforms podcasts because i just felt like look if if the change is going to come it has to come via us both and both of us talking and people seeing me um, as the black person, first black person on the person's podcast and things like that. That's how we break it down. And um, then coronavirus happened. Okay, we're all locked down. And then George, uh, the George Floyd murder happened. Mm -hmm. And that was a really, uh, that was a really big point in time. I feel like you had a lot of people within the South Asian community that were looking inside their own community to say, how are we contributing to anti-blackness, but how can we also be um, good allies? And I mean, people were looking for information, people looking for educational stuff, people were looking to to see how they could be better allies. And um, somewhere along the line, it just the stories were always the stories were always fire. Mm -hmm. Stories were always were always lit. Content was always good. But it was just it just hit a tipping point at, at one point in time. And that's when, you know other bigger platforms, South Asian platforms started sharing the work. There you go. Humble um, brag, humble brag. You in BBC. I seen, I seen yeah, the things, yeah. bro. Humble brag with it. Yeah. 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 No, they, they started sharing the work and, and people just started hitting me up who were like, I don't want to say notable figures, but like people who could be like a, a reputable artist mm -hmm. or a reputable filmmaker or somebody in music. And they were just like reaching out to say like, love the stories, you know? And it was just like, Okay. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I feel it too. Yeah. I, I felt it. And uh, yeah, it just went from there. Does just it went feel, from there, really. Does it feel like a, like a huge blur? Like, yo, did I, was I really on TV the other day for BBC? Like, did, is, is this really happening right now? Do you like pinch yourself making sure like you don't wake up from this at times? Nah, I'm not there yet, man. I'm not there yet. Like I said, I've always had faith in the stories and believed in the stories mm -hmm. and just known that they have so much power to them. Mm -hmm. And it was just a matter of time until, till people picked up on them. So like I, I'm, I'm ahead. I'm like six months, a year ahead of, of, of everybody else who's reading this stuff. Like in my head, I'm already thinking about the next thing, but um, mm -hmm. I just think the stories are so beautiful because mm -hmm. if you think about all of the shit that we went through in the U S like the past four years, whether it's Islamophobia or people feeling there's going to be an invasion at the border or which is essentially like religion and, and different things like that. These stories that are talking about these different communities, basically everyone understands love. Everyone should know what the emotion of love is. And at the end of the day, some of these couples, some of them may not be ready for it. Some of them are ready for it. That's what they want is love. And they're willing to fight against religion against tradition against culture to have this love sounds like a bollywood movie right there yeah man <laughs> no no dancing in the rain though no man. dancing no in dance. the rain though man you basically you basically making your yeah. own bollywood film they need to make yeah. a bollywood film out of you make it five hours long with the intermission and all <laughs> that bro yeah <laughs>
you're becoming Blindy and Cupid over here now with the um yeah, Blindy and Matchmaker, man. Hell Blindian, yeah. Blindy and Matchmaking. Are you gonna pitch this to to Netflix anytime man, soon? We got, man, we got about we we have a lot of different ideas that we want to see in video form. We're working hard behind the scenes. So yeah, I, I hope so. I hope something comes out. It may not be Blindy and matchmaking, but we need more of these stories out there. Definitely. Um, and and I think you you made a good point earlier. It's it's not sugar coated. It's Hell not no. um, nice and easy. But I see the beauty sometimes in there being not talking about the challenges and not talking about the issues. Right? Like yeah. uh, let's talk about a children's book with black characters and they're having a tea party, or there's a princess in it. You know, just mm-hmm. things that are just they're just normal and there's no talk of these issues. But I feel for this conversation it's about getting it all out there and being raw with it and not really sugarcoating anything and that's how people are gonna understand what it's about but those people who are also contributing to a lot of the trauma that people feel in it will think think twice about you know shipping their kid off to to india or whatever the situation may be yeah whatever that abuse is yeah have you received any messages from followers that say hey because of this page you know i feel comfortable in telling my family that i'm dating someone 100%. that's outside yeah, of yeah 100%. Or, or like did you change the mindset of a family as well like yo jonah because of you like my family's like actually gonna give this dude a chance like i, I haven't gotten to the point where it, it's been at our level so it's been like you know what i've been following the community for five for five months and it's given me so much inspiration and i introduced my um my boyfriend to my parents the other day mm-hmm. um so stories like that, people saying that they've gotten married um, and, it, and it's helped there. But I haven't really heard it from that, um, that the upper level, yeah. which is like the parents. Yeah. And, and I think that's elders. really, I, I feel like that's really the next, or one of the next steps is, is including that older generation into the conversations because I think that's where a lot of the change needs to right. needs to take place as well too. It's always with the older generation because, you know, they, they have you know the the older mindset of how they were raised right it's it's Mm. the same reason why you know we won't get two thousand dollars from a fucking stimulus check yet here in america they gave us 600 i didn't even get the damn 600 stimulus check but all that to say you know the the old mindset you know just needs to change and i feel like you know the younger generation we we understand what's more important in life being happy and making sure that at the end of the day we have this one life and like we we should be able to enjoy it and if this person makes me happy why not just go for it and if i get my heart broken you know that's a lesson you got to take your l's and flip them and turn them to a lesson yeah well that's life isn't it it is life that's life life. that's life life. and i think and i feel like this last year has told us how precious life is so um You're not going to, I mean, are you going to, are you meant to have five-year relationships and then just throw them out the door just because um, somebody is talking about um, what's the community going to say? I think there's more important stuff going on uh, mm-hmm. in the world than to, to have to have to deal with that. That is true. But I think the hard part is even trying to take that leap of faith, but also, you know, take that risk of like losing people that you love as well, like family, you know, because I can't imagine what it's like to be disconnected from your family. Sometimes, like, I understand the choice into, like, not seeing this person if it means being with your family. That's got to be a hard decision. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. 
people who may be a bit we're talking about that kind of that U.S. mindset when you're 18, you're out the house. Now, that's right. not the case in the other communities. So yeah. you could be 26 and be at home because Hell you're yeah. not married. Absolutely. Um, I'm 26 do, and it's I'm Caribbean, yeah. man. We get to live with parents and it's cool. Yeah. I am set. Like, I don't have to leave until I'm married. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is what a lot of um, that side does as well. Too. Right. Exactly. But, um, we have our similarities. <laughs> When there is that threat, like you've had this partner for five years, you're in love, you've had to keep them a secret, and then you have your parents who are saying, look, it's them or us, what do you, you know, what do you do? And you might be financially dependent on your parents still, which exactly. which makes it, which makes it all the more harder. So, but then for me, like, I'm one of these people who it's like, follow your heart, follow your passion, right. you know, go for it, you know? You might burn, but you you might crash and burn, but you'll you'll live again. You know you'll be able to rise from the ashes and things like that. So yeah, um, that's true. Give it a go, man. Give it a go instead of having these regrets later on um, in life and saying, "I wish I would have." You know, because I get a lot of stories like that as well too, of people mm -hmm. who just reach out like, Living "It was the best love." It was it, it was the best love that I ever had. They meant so much to me, and now I'm in a relationship that you know doesn't doesn't equal that really. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And and you start to live in regret. I can't wait for you to like have a IG live with an auntie or an uncle to like really sit down and, and break all of this stuff down as well. I feel like having an auntie or an uncle with that old sort of mentality would be some interesting content, my brother. I'm just saying. Yeah, no, we're on it. We're on it, man. We're um, I have an uncle who helped with the introduction of me and my wife and oh. he... He is, um, he's going to jump on, but we're talking about cast. He wants to, he, his thing is like this whole castism thing needs mm. to go. So he wants to talk about that. But I, I want to speak to a parent who either has a, like a, a child or someone close to them who is in a blending relationship and just pick their brain and just like have a, have a conversation, right. a little debate about why do people say that it's disrespectful if you bring a, um, a black partner home what's disrespectful about that right yeah and i think that's one of the the big differences between indo-caribbeans and and uh desis is we don't have the caste system in the caribbean like we we don't mm. we don't have that um do we still hold on to certain things yeah because i have a lot of uh friends that are of indo-caribbean descent that were uh almost going to get married or arranged in a love marriage but it didn't happen it's not as yeah. like it's not as prevalent it's still there, but like you don't have to do it. Hold on, say that last part again. Are you talking about arranged marriages right now? Yes, yes. Gotcha. Okay. Oh yeah, it still happens in in the Indo in the Indo Caribbean, but like like it's not as like you don't really have to do it. Like it can happen, gotcha. but it's not like a final thing. Gotcha. It's not like gotcha. no, you're going to marry this dude. Like here's this guy. Like you're going to marry him. No, we don't really have that in the Caribbean. Gotcha. So do you, um, so your friends and your peers, do you have friends who are, um, Indo-Caribbean then? Just like Indo-Caribbean, oh, not mixed? Hell yeah. Facts. Gotcha. Um, okay. A lot of them are Trinidadian. A lot of them are, are Guyanese. Shout out to y'all. You know, I love y'all. The thing is with them, so they're very Americanized. And do they have biases uh, against, um, Afro-Caribbean, Caribbeans? Openly, openly, like to you, like you told, to me, you talked about that. With like you talked family? about that conversation that right. you had um, 
uh, when you were with your family and they were right. saying stuff against black people. Right. But so when I, you're with your Indo-Caribbean friends, do they, do you get that same feeling at times when they're talking about um, Afro-Caribbeans or just black people just in black general? Black people in general? No. And, I, and the reason why is because one, you know, them also being first generation Caribbeans, right? Being around black people, it's, it's just eminent, right? We live in New York. We're from New York. This is where hip hop lives. Hip hop is, I will say this, hip hop has become one of the best ways where cultures have, have fucking Bro. Yes. blended and, 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 and fucking everyone speaks hip hop. So like the Indian dudes, yes. so like the coolies that I hang out with, you know, they're in their fucking Jordans. Um, you know, we listening to trap music, we're listening to rap, we're listening to hip hop, but also, you know, we're going to get some doubles too. It's the beauty mm. of like just living in New York and having this big melting pot and, and big mixture of cultures. Mm. So credit out that, to hip hop. That's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. And so it, it's, it's important too. I think that for me, a lot of these stereotypes, um, exist within the communities because they aren't mixing with the, do you have a black friend? No, I don't know any black people. Exactly. Never, have you talked to a black male before? No, I've, I don't have any black men. I have black girlfriends, but I don't have, I've never talked to a black male before. So like when you have these never, I've never done this, um, you just kind of revert back to, okay, what has the media, what did I see in this movie? What did my friend tell me? And you don't get, really get to form the opinion for yourself. Yeah. So, exactly. so, so that interaction amongst other communities, whether, whether, whatever that's over or, or by is, is very important. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying like, you know, it's, it's all like rainbows and shit. Cause of course, you know, there's, you still have your biases, although um, New York is completely diverse, you know, there's, there's definitely segregated uh, neighborhoods. For example, right. Um, before the whole gentrification thing in Brooklyn ha is happening and it's still going on right now, well, I would say like Flatbush, Nostrand, Bed-Stuy, heavily Caribbean. Now, not mm. so much. Where do all the Indo-Caribbeans be at? Queens. Heavy in Queens. Shout out to Lefferts. Shout out to mm. South Ozone Park. Shout out to Richmond Hill. That's where they heavily be at. And they still be over there. But, you know, it, every every place has... Um, it's different sections. Old Brooklyn, like some Goodfellas type shit, like like um, Jewish people, um, mm. Italians, Russians. That's over. In, I call it Old Brooklyn. I call that's on the that's on the Q line. That's on the B line. That's on the N line. Around Coney Island, Sheepshead Bay, fucking Midwood. That's Old Brooklyn. Like those white people. Those are different white people. Those white people are not afraid. Like they will be openly racist forever. Like. <laughs> Those are a different kind of white people. They don't give a fuck, all right? Mm. I remember one of my friends, I remember Bastion was telling me a story that uh, that his friend was um, parked over in uh, Sheepshead or whatever, or Brighton Beach, I believe, and mm. he was parking, and this, this old Italian dude is like, hey, uh, do you belong here? Like, like he was open <laughs> with this shit. I was like, yo, bro, yeah. listen, that's old Brooklyn. Don't fuck with old Brooklyn, bro. Like, just, just it's like that, huh? Yeah, it's still like that. This, there's definitely some, some, some magas over there, man. Don't get it twisted. Okay, I have to avoid that place then when I come that way. It's still beautiful, but like, just, just like, be cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Be easy. The pizza's still fire though. <laughs> and my name is Giovanni too, so I get away with some stuff. You know, Italians love love that shit. So. 
cool, bro. Well, Jonah, man, thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to me, um, to talk to the Black Seinfeld audience, to talk to your audience, audience of Jonah's. Thank you for allowing me into your headphones, your cars, your laptops, um, wherever you're listening to this from. Thank you very much. Um, is there anything else you want to say to the people? Give give out your, your socials and all that, bro. Don't be too humble. Yeah, so um, socials is Blendian Project, which is B-L-I-N-D-I-N Project. Um, we are on IG, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Um, effectively, it is a, it's a community. It's almost like a, a mini media type company. We create spaces um, by which uh, we want our Black and South Asian communities to interact, right? So that's over like commonality. So there could be a, a food show. We have a food channel um, called Something Seasoned. Um, we have DJs who come spin um, from time to time. So we bond over music. We have um, book clubs. We have writing groups. So um, what it's trying to do, it's just trying to create these spaces where we can um, talk about things in ways that um, people may have not had the the chance to do before. Um, so ultimately we can just kind of learn and, um, you know, if, if love is there, then love is there. Um, love blossoms and um, just, just unite our communities. That's, that's what we're all about. Um, that's what we're going to continue to be about. Is there anything else you would like to say to the people before we uh, sign out? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, this kind of goes back to what we we're saying earlier about the interaction with people. Like if you, if you don't have a black friend, um, if you don't know a black male, don't know a black female, um, try to befriend one, try to be empathetic and try to put yourself in their shoes. And um, uh, I feel when we um, are empathetic to other people's needs and, and wants and dreams and aspirations, um, I mean, it's the essence of humanity to begin with, but um, it, it, it just kind of, uh, it makes the world a better place. Um, so that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to do. Just trying to um, continue learning, um, share what I'm learning with, with my people and um, uh, just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. We got big, big dreams, big plans. So um, we're, we're, we're gunning for them. That was very beautiful, man. Thank you. Jonah Potomzi, everyone. This is the man, the myth, the legend, the creator, Dr. Frankenstein himself. Um, everyone, thank y'all so much for tuning into Black Seinfeld backstage. Uh, I hope I hope you enjoyed this. I think people will enjoy this. I swear, I hope they do. I think so. I think, I think so. so. Um, I don't know what I'm gonna do next month. I don't know. Maybe I might talk to to my friend because she's a bar owner, and over here in New York, you know, the restaurant industry has been like. It's been a fucking struggle and she's been stressed the fuck out and you know there's little to no help with uh Cuomo and de Blasio so you know I might talk to her about that stuff. I don't know. But anyways, um that's just me rambling. Thank y'all so much for tuning in once again to Black Seinfeld the show about nothing, absolutely nothing. Again, uh if you like this stuff, please give it a like, a uh, follow, um smash that like button for all the people on YouTube. Um I think I'm doing that right. Leave a leave a comment, follow, put the bell on for the notifications. Yeah, man. Everything. Every yeah. all that <laughs> shit. All that shit. All right, everyone, take care. Peace. Peace.